Welcome to Below the Fold, the most honest and raw digital marketing podcast around. It's good to be back. Coming back with a bang. I might be hiring someone to speak for me. So you think you're an SEO ninja, eh? That was just my little fantasy in the back of my head. Here's the tip. Oh, I know the tip. Are you the one who told me the tip? I need you to come up with 50 business ideas. I'll be back in two hours. I think I need a new title. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. This show is for marketers, startups, and anyone else wanting to know the ins and outs, the ups and downs of digital marketing. I'm Jacob Perry, and I'm joined by Paxton Gray and Brandon Hassler. This week's guests, we have Rick Galan. How you doing, Rick? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to the show. Uh, We're going to open up the show with our current events segment, and we'll start with Brandon because he's got something semi-interesting. (laughs) <laughs> Although he may not think so. This is, you didn't see this coming. This is a shocker. Matt Cutts, officially gone from Google, guys. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess, so he, obviously, he was, like, on leave since, what, 2014? Uh, and then he got replaced by, did they ever figure out, I know they, like, were trying to keep it hush-hush who replaced him. I'm sure that was figured out eventually, right? I don't well, know the as, guy's in, name. as in for the last two years, n- no one knows who's well, been like, doing his job. Well, I haven't job. taken the time to look at who his replacement was. I wasn't sure if you I guys think, knew. I think they broke his job up into like pieces, right? So like mm. someone is doing his like head of web spam job and that person is unnamed. And then they have that Gary guy doing all the spokesperson stuff for the SEO community. Mm. Right? So it, I it don't know. Makes more sense. Uh, why would they keep the guy's identity a secret? I think because Matt Cutts kind of became a punching bag with within the uh, SEO community, and they wanted to avoid that. So to protect him? Basically. From all the death threats? <laughs> I think it also has something to do with uh, there being a representative for that particular part of Google. And uh, having all of that uh, lay squarely on the shoulders of one person means every single thing they say is going to be hyper-analyzed and uh, revisited and revisited over and over again, I think. It's better for a Google in the long term to kind of diversify that responsibility to make every person who is a representative a little bit less credible than everything Matt Cutts says is gospel. What has Matt Cutts been doing for the last couple of years? So this last summer, he started working at the uh, U.S. Digital Service. So works for the government. It's like a White House program. And I guess he's liked it so much that he's decided to make it official He's no longer at Google as of December 31st. I've been doing this for about eight months. I think it's time to be official. But I've never heard of it before. I looked it up just barely. So it's on whitehouse.gov, and it says, The United States Digital Service is a startup at the White House that pairs the country's top technology talent with the best public servants to improve usefulness, yada, yada. Isn't that that what they launched in, like, the wake of the healthcare.gov kind of debacle yeah, when they I launched think, that site and it basically didn't work for anybody uh-huh. and so then mm-hmm. they started pulling in like industry people and that's what the like u.s digital service became yeah it seems like that sounds familiar because I, I i never i was reading like what the heck is the u.s digital service it's like a made-up <laughs> organization and he's someone, someone who's just uh was on a panel at tech summit who also served uh in the digital service so that's what he's been doing and the other thing I had wasn't necessarily news, but I stumbled upon a interesting tool that I thought you guys may or may not like. You may have heard of it. It's called Elucify. You ever heard oh, of it? Oh, Elucify. You know? Sounds elusive. No, I've never, I've never heard of that. Um, nope. it's, I don't know who's – the guy like reached out to me because I started using it. So they're must, they must be like super young. They're in San Francisco, but basically it's a crowdsourced database. How do you spell it? Um, uh, I-L-L-U – no, it's E-L-U- not. E-L-U <laughs> – C-I-F-Y dot com, Elucify, E-L-U-C-I-F-Y dot com. And it's basically a crowdsourced database of email addresses. So you could type in a company like Qualtrics and you get emails of, uh, you know, the, uh, I forget how they word it, the top leadership and then kind of everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I've tested out like tons of companies and you get a lot of uh, uh, interesting information in terms so of emails they're relying on people adding to this database yeah so so i signed up for an elucify so it's free to use um however i think you eventually hit like a limit in credits or if you want to start doing like list building and like start curating these lists of people within certain niches 
uh, that requires credits. There's but you can So you can buy the credits or uh, – so I, I typed in Market Campus to see, like, oh, do they have a Market Campus Index? They didn't. So I just answered, like, some quick questions, where they're based, funding, employee size, and then I earned 25 credits. And then I went and I put in a bunch of other startups that weren't listed in it, and I got credits for it. So it's basically – it's free, but you've got to contribute in order to – take advantage of it yeah, but i love that pretty interesting i i have not uh been added to this yet it looks for vivant yeah it looks to me like they're scraping like linkedin data right yeah and then LinkedIn and then they're 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 matching it up against like uh kind of a formula for uh email addresses because uh my email address is yeah. wrong oh is the it system yeah oh really I, and that'll get to me because i made them add that as an alias but they put my email address in when i got hired they put it in different than everyone else's and so it's very confusing internally but yeah, it looks and it like does, yeah, it looks like it, the f- format for Qualtrics in particular is first name, last, uh, first letter of last name, which yeah. may not be true for everyone. In the- it, and it's not like there, there are a couple of people on here whose email address is correct and is different, but like, and, but mine is incorrect and different. So interesting. Anyway, interesting. Uh, I'm going to combine Brandon's cool thing with something I just learned last night at, uh, SLC SEM, uh, from Dennis Yu. He came to speak. Were you there? I was there. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so uh, there's a cool thing where obviously you can upload uh, email addresses and advertise specifically to those people, but you have to put in a certain number of people so you can't hyper-target like one individual person. Uh, so I, th- I believe it's like 20 or something higher than that. Uh, but what you can do is put in, like let's say the limit is 20, and uh, you can put in, if the person you want to target is female, then put in her email address and then uh, email addresses of 19 men and then target that list and only target females on that list. And that allows you to only target one individual person. So with this tool, you can basically find, uh, uh, you know, the, the CMO of uh, Adidas or something like that, get their email address and then advertise just to them on Facebook for a couple bucks. So Facebook's limit, or you have to have twenty people. Is that? I don't know what the limit is. It, I, I, I want to say it's at least a hundred. Like I, okay, I was thinking, yeah, a maybe thousand, a, honestly, it's a it's a number. But yeah. basically, you you put one legitimate email address and then you manipulate the other one. So either put in a bunch of fake email addresses. I know people have done that before, or put in email addresses of somebody of people in other countries or another gender, and then just adjust your targeting to only hit the one or two people or whatever that you want to hit. It's pretty yeah. sneaky. Yeah, I that's awesome. How, I wonder how long that's been available, and I wonder how long it will continue to be available. It's been around for a while because there used to be some stories of like people like creeping on their roommates and like following them around with like funny <laughs> Facebook ads that was like <laughs> like that were like really really personal and like referenced things that they would just done because you can spend almost no money when you're only hitting like one impression, yeah. right? That anyway, yeah. there's yes. there's a couple of stories a couple of years that's ago. So, I miss, I missed this part, and Dennis may have said it. Uh, he mentioned something like people's birthdays. Uh, is it like if he's trying to land a client, he will just advertise like, hey, happy birthday from this company and like get in that way. Did he mention that or is that just in my head? Uh, he may have. I don't I, I didn't hear it. But okay. I, I think I think I'm going to do this to like freak my wife out. It would like, work because she gets freaked out by stuff like that anyway. I'm just going to uh-huh. like I'm going to create an ad with like her picture and like some great. Like, <laughs> Did, really do you remember that guy that. on Fiverr who will create a custom video that makes oh, it yeah. look like he's a stalker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or the happy birthday guy who wears him. The, that's what oh, I'm that's thinking. Of. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I guess a weird old stock. Yeah, yeah. He puts tin, tin foil, foil in his hair. hair. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Oh, uh, that's awesome. He's still doing those, or he's referring know. to old times. Uh, it's not. Uh, no, I think. I mean, still I, does I, I do keep up. I keep up him. on tinfoil guy, and I can tell you that. <laughs> I just looked up probably four months ago, and I found that he was still doing it. Wow. So I, I just Googled uh, like one of these stories that I remember reading and I found a, I found one of the articles from 2014 on somebody like creepily targeting their roommate with like stuff that's super personal to them and making funny looking ads and freaking them out for like several months. It's pretty good. I'll send it to you. Oh, that's awesome. You could sue someone for that. So was that a tool you were saying or it's just a tactic to use just within a tactic Facebook ads? Within Facebook ads, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's pretty I cool. I like it. That is yeah. interesting. He, he also talked about like organization targeting, right? So like – yeah. So account account based marketing, basically, yeah. yeah, basically like the gold the gold mine of account based marketing. So you just target people who work at Vivint and send ads in order to then like prep them for then the you know the things that you're mailing to them or the LinkedIn ads that you're then also targeting to them or the salespeople that are going to call. It was pretty. He's a sneaky bugger. Yeah, and he's got some big clients. <laughs> yeah, 
he, like he, impressive. The entire presentation of his was opening up, uh, what is it, the Golden State? Golden State Warriors. Yeah, like opening up their Facebook account and showing us around their like their ads and the things he was doing within the live account. Oh, you know what surprised cool. me about that was how little he's spending to boost posts. Yeah, like, it's like 300 bucks. bucks. Yeah, yeah, 200 bucks. Yeah. Of course, he had a lot of them, so sure, you know, it, it sure. adds up. But compared to like other media budgets or whatever, like think about the amount of dollars he's putting into that for the impressions he's getting yeah. that are like hyper targeted, and you know, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, that was very cool to see. That was a, that was a really good SLCSEM. Yeah, I should have gone. Uh, I based I based the uh, whether or not I was going to go on the pictures of the two presenters, and one of the dudes was just like so weird looking. I was like, I I can't go. <laughs> That's usually when it's good. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I uh, No, I wish I'd gone. Yeah. So another story I have uh, is about GQ. We talked about this just before the show. Instagram accounted for 70% of GQ's social revenue last year. She's 70 or? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah 70%. Right. Yeah. So uh, we were. T- 70 we, of their we, social <laughs> yeah, revenue. We, we, what, we is, what is social revenue for GQ? Is that just visitors, basically? Traffic? Because no, they have no, ads? No, money. How are they making so, money? Okay, so we'll we'll get into that. What I want to talk about first is uh, the fact that Instagram made up seven percent of their total digital revenue, seventy percent of their social revenue, and what Rick was talking about just before we started recording was uh, with with it only being seventy percent or seven percent, it could seventy of seven percent could be you know a few thousand dollars. Mm. That's big news. Anyway, to answer your question. GQ is using Instagram in the same way that celebrities or influencers do. So other companies, and some of the examples here are Coach, Nespresso, Remy Martin, and Tudor, pay GQ to feature their products on their Okay, Instagram so GQ feed. is becoming the influencer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Beyond that, one of the biggest things that's happened today is uh, LinkedIn's um, user interface has been completely changed. What? So this is the first time Instagram or not Instagram, you know, LinkedIn. I think I already. Oh, here it is. LinkedIn. The headline states: LinkedIn refreshes desktop interface, emphasizing content and conversations. This looks the same to me. Yeah, so it's the same for me as well. They're rolling it out slowly. Brandon and Rick, oh, okay. Brandon and Rick have the new version. Yep. And uh, we're cool. Ooh. So it says the rollout will begin today and continue worldwide to all LinkedIn users over the next few weeks. That's so a nice. That's a nice looking refresh. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. They've got a couple screenshots in this article. Unfortunately, I am not one of the peeps who gets to got to be as popular as Rick to get that. Well, I mean, it takes a very special skill set. <laughs> no, I think I think they're making some changes to like to bring it more in line with the app. The app has really geared itself towards like the news and messaging and yeah. things like that. And so like there's a there's a constant message window kind of like Facebook has that's mm-hmm. always there. And like you have easier access to your notifications and stuff like that. So I think it, it's really it yeah. looks a lot. It does like look Facebook. like. Yeah, it looks yeah, a lot it's like making Facebook. it more of a social network and less of a resume site, I think, is kind of the idea. Right. That's what it looks like. Hmm. That's all. That's all I've got. Any other current events that need to be brought up? Don't you think uh, LinkedIn would benefit by purchasing Slack? Why? I feel like Slack has a lot of things that are going against it. Like what? And I don't know. Like wait, wait, wait. wait. You, so, you think Slack has things that are going against itself? No, or are going against Slack, LinkedIn, LinkedIn has. Like when I talk to a lot of like younger, I mean, I realize we're all millennials. Wait, but, did you just say LinkedIn should buy Slack or Twitter? LinkedIn, LinkedIn should buy Slack, or I should well, say Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft. But Microsoft actually has a competitor to Slack. Right. That they're right. putting many, many millions of dollars they behind. They are, yeah. yeah that's, but I feel like... We just talked about that news, actually, when Slack pulled out the, the full front page uh, ad on yeah, right. the New York right. Times or something like that. Yeah, that, right. was a, that was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a bad idea. <laughs> it did not work out well. Uh, okay, so Microsoft already has it. Why do you think LinkedIn or Microsoft should purchase I Slack? know we've touched on this before, but it seems, I mean, from my limited contact with younger people a lot of them don't take linkedin as serious like these people coming out of high school where it's like do you have like i can't get a job and do you have a linkedin no i don't need a linkedin like they Uh kind of just view it as like that's what old people have wait i'm having deja vu have we talked about this we have talked yes we have I, i i don't understand where you're going with this though because i get that whole thing with linkedin and i get that young people like slack but they're not the same like why like so slack is huge in the development community okay and i've talked to even just with my contact with like local developers here they're on slack but they're not on linkedin and they love slack to death but they haven't really taken linkedin as serious um and so like that's where i kind of see like if linkedin and and slack were somehow just had this beautiful marriage 
it would then kind of just oh yeah if you have a slack like you're part of the linkedin i don't network. know man i i think uh you're talking about like high school students once those and maybe even college students but like when they're out in the in their field for one to two years then it's not a question of whether or not they're on linkedin yeah they're going to be on there and honestly linkedin as a platform alone and uh, to itself doesn't care to have the college students and i mean maybe the college students but high school students definitely not so i mean so so why don't why don't they why doesn't linkedin just do something with what's microsoft's uh, com, com, competitor i don't remember to what Slack? it's called do you remember what it's called i don't either no i mean i remember i was just reading a thing on a microsoft mule mule day eight billion dollar bid for slack but we'll focus on skype instead Who? so they thought about buying slack microsoft mold mold over mold over weird word <laughs> So they've thought about it, but yeah, and, and I just remembered when you guys brought that up that they had a competitor, but I don't know about it. It's called Teams. Teams mm. is it part of their Office three sixty five platform? I'm sure it's going. I'm sure it's going to be well integrated into it. And there's also Facebook's uh, work yeah. workplace for work or something. Like Facebook that. for work, yeah. Then you've got uh, is Domo's. that out already? Yeah, I think it's, I think, I think it's, it's rolled out. I don't think everybody has access yeah. to it. But it's I think invite only. You got like a request. And you said Domo has something like it. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to take off. I forget what it's called, like Buzz or something like that. Like they built it for consumers. They didn't build it for their own, like, company. I mean, it, it integrates with their business cloud Technically, stuff. Technically, uh, doesn't um, Salesforce also have, like, Chatter or whatever yes. the heck? Like, people, yeah. yeah it, well, none of these Slack, matter. Slack wasn't the first one yeah. that even did this. I think they just had the coolest brand. Here is news. Slack has threaded conversations finally. Wait, wait, wait. So you can leave a comment on, on, a, uh, on a comment. Oh, oh my god! It's not as intuitive as it could be, though. That is like my biggest complaint. You can also so you can see up here it says all threads at the top, and that will just filter down to all the threads that you're involved with. But if Jacob left a comment and I were to like naturally, you just want to start typing in that box yeah. at the bottom. Oh, yeah. That's just going to leave another chat. So you have to specifically like hover over, and then you can see there's now a thread. Oh, oh I, don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, what else would you do? So as long as everyone's on the same page, then it works. Like everyone understands how the platform yeah, works. Yeah, otherwise, if you yeah. have those two or three guys who are just leaving comments, oh, man, and now that's you have awesome. two conversations. Like in our company, someone will leave an announcement, and then people have like questions, uh-huh. but then I have to make another announcement, and so I have to end up like cutting off their conversation to leave another announcement. Yeah, this I is, just noticed that this morning. Awesome. There was this all threads. You guys use Slack? No, you don't. You use Odo. No, we use Slack as oh, well. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Like uh, our development team basically... I mean, like all engineers everywhere, they're like, "Yeah, no, we're going to use Slack." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Slack is Slack is a great product, but it's not fundamentally different than any other that's IRC sure. that's sure. been around since like the mid '90s. Yeah, um, I will say that I purchased Slack socks from their store. <laughs> what was your motivation? That's odd. <laughs> so, I, I I don't know if we have a pro account or something. Someone spent money with Slack, and they gave us a bunch of swag and. Part of the swag was socks, and I collect I collect cool socks, and, and it's their pattern. So it's just it's just the colors. Like it doesn't have their logo anywhere on it, and I, I liked them. So I tweeted at them thinking, mm, maybe I could get some free socks, and, and they, they gave me the link to their store. And normally I would try to push it more to try to get the free stuff, but in the same tweet they, they mentioned that like 15% of it goes to charity, and I was like, well hmm. – you can't push back on that. <laughs> can't be that guy. Yeah. Do you have so the, I bought them. Do you have any of the like uh, Portland airport carpet uh, socks? I've no, I didn't those. know that was a thing. Oh, man. It's I like just a whole heard, meme. I, yeah. heard, I heard that they just replaced all the carpet. They did. But that, so now that's the where like the extra meme special. Was, yeah. yeah. Very, yeah. Ooh, okay. All right. Uh, one thing we actually forgot to mention, which I think is pretty big news, is the fact that you can comment on – or sorry, not comment. You can like Instagram, com- Instagram comments now. Oh. Hmm. I haven't noticed that. Yeah, I don't know how to do it. I pulled it out and I was trying to figure it out. I don't know if it's beta where Yeah. I just pulled I up an really article from last month, that. but a lot of people that's a big deal for them. Oh, okay, yeah. I get those notifications all the time. Like right here, someone that see. you mentioned it, liked your comment. Huh. Um, oh, I never get those notifications. And I've just, oh, well, I, I I have just my ignore them. Turned off. Maybe maybe nobody likes your comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Make some better comments, <laughs> Jacob. Well, I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't comment that often. I wonder if that makes any like has any effect on their algorithm i don't know how it would but oh you mean tracking it like engagement metrics or something yeah i I bet it's just a play to get you to interact with instagram more like probably and actually read the comments yeah Yeah. Yeah. well not just that but uh, like so many people 
there's no way to – like if you post something and someone else comments on your picture, instead of having to go in there and be like, hey, thanks. That's so cool. You can just like throw a like on there to acknowledge that they commented. Listen, do you think I don't know how likes work? I, I, I don't know. Do you? Do you know how likes I work? Do, I do know how likes work. Okay. Let's Is get it, to our guest, man. Okay. So Rick Galan. This guy has an nice impressive job. background. Yeah. Uh, Rick, real quick, take 30 to 60 seconds to tell us who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, well, I'm Rick Galan. I, uh, I'm the head of digital marketing for Qualtrics. Uh, I've been there for about a year. Um, and so what that means is that I oversee all of our digital efforts. So uh, the website, uh, it's you know, structure and updates and, and content and everything like that, um, as well as our digital advertising, uh, email marketing, et cetera. Um, I've been a digital marketer for like 11-ish years or so. Um, typically in-house, you know, I haven't, I'm, I haven't been, what, what was AJ, fired and then started his own amazing, awesome specialty agency. And I don't have like a Brazilian wax place in, in Arizona. <laughs> so I've so been like, doing some research. Yeah, nothing. I've, I've listened to the podcast, you yeah. know, like uh, nothing, nothing too exciting from that. I'm typically an in-house marketer. And so I've, I've hopped around from a couple different brands. I uh, got my start at Overstock uh, where I did mostly search marketing, but also some on-site uh, like conversion optimization. Um, I worked for a SaaS company in Seattle for a while that uh, uh, called Mercent uh, that uh, basically made e-commerce focused uh, software to help people sell on Amazon. Um, worked for 100 Contacts uh, for Blendtec. I've been primarily e-commerce up until uh, my stint here at Qualtrics. So, which is where you switched to B two B. That's where I went B two B. How's that uh, been? That transition? Pretty frustrating, honestly. Like. Uh, <laughs> Everyone thinks they have data, and I think their data is adorable, right? <laughs> because like B2B data is just – it's like slow and like empty of any real meaning versus like e-commerce yeah. data. It's like raw dollars and yeah. like – Well, that like, conversion funnel is so much shorter for yeah. – yeah. I mean it's just like like stuff doesn't happen immediately, right? Like then it, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I so went, yeah, I went the opposite way from Myriad B2B to Vivint B2C, and it's a, it's a big difference. Like you are in B2C, you have way more data to work with, but you're also held accountable much quick, much, much more quickly. Yeah. Right. So like PPC guys uh, doing B2C stuff, like they live and die by the numbers every single day because thousands of dollars are moving in and out. And it's even more, I think it's even more granular than day to day. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. our guys are looking every, our data refreshes every 15 minutes and they've got their, their screen yeah. open looking at it. Some I'm, I'm interested in uh, kind of knowing about, and maybe this uh, would apply to like a small business owner. Uh, so Qualtrics, uh, to my knowledge, is is driven mostly by that sales team, like that that gigantic sales team. I mean, how, many, how many of you guys got? Like, I, I couldn't even tell. Like, probably over over five hundred. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like probably probably six or seven hundred. I actually don't know. Yeah, uh, more than I can count, basically. So and then and I you know I've 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 walked through and I've seen your marketing team and you know you guys aren't five hundred big, mm-hmm. right? How big so, is your marketing team? Uh, the whole thing's probably about fifty. Uh, we do. Have, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So like our marketing department uh, is broken up into a couple different groups, and we have uh, some smaller marketing departments in different countries. So we have a team in in Australia, we have a team in in Ireland. I knew you would have a team in Ireland. Uh, who doesn't? Man? Yeah. Got to get those tax dollars <laughs> yeah. sheltered there. Right? <laughs> um, so our team in the states is is, uh, is probably about fifty people, but it's the majority of it is like product marketers and and content people uh, uh-huh. kind of focused on that. But we also include uh, in marketing we include our uh, what we call a response team. So basically, uh, the the first the first line of the sales funnel, right? So the people that call the the initial leads and you know everyone calls them different things, inbound team and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, so the people that call the initial leads and set appointments for the salespeople, that's also part of marketing. That's part of our demand gen organization. Oh, so okay. when it actually comes to like digital marketing, there's like four of us. Okay. So uh, I'm assuming that at a company like Overstock, uh, it's the uh, the digital marketers that are really driving revenue there. I mean, one hundred percent. Yeah. So what what's it what is it like working at a company where the main driver is uh, a salesman and a sales team as opposed to digital marketing? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes into the like the lack of data problem, right? Because yeah. the salesperson is always taking credit for whatever the sale was, regardless of what happened beforehand, because that's how they get paid, mm-hmm. right? And appropriately so, right? They need to take a, they need to take credit for their work there. But uh, the, it's tricky because like you have to work on a lot more influenced metrics, uh, whereas uh, be, uh, an organization that kind of revolves around marketing and digital marketing specifically, like your dollars are the dollars. Right. Everyone else has to work on inferred metrics around the money that you spend. And you're the last person before the, the close of the sale. You close the deal. 
So it's it's just it's it's kind of an interesting model you just have to adjust to. Um, that being said, we're we're doing a lot of things like we have you know we have a we have a free account funnel on the website and and within that free account you can upgrade into a paid accounts and things like that and so we're starting to push more along those lines hmm. uh, to get kind of more of the direct revenue play. Yeah. Um, Did you say your attribution model is based on Last Touch? Uh, I didn't, but oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> is is that how it's set up though? Uh so which attribution model, right? In a B2B organization, there's attribution before they before they become a lead, then there's attribution once they're in the system and like So once the sale happens and you attribute like where they came from and who should get the credit because obviously they all go through the salespeople, but you step back one step uh and whether it's it's, you know, it comes through digital or it comes through, you know, whatever other channel um like at, at Vivent we have a last touch like yeah. if they come to our site organically and then they leave and then they come back on a PPC ad and then they convert it it the, the attribution goes, yeah right. yeah it goes to the PPC yeah we we uh we're primarily focused on last touch there's a couple of there's a couple of channels that we kind of fudge around with it because yeah. it doesn't make any sense but yeah like events and things like that makes it a little bit harder but uh but yeah yeah that makes sense okay. in uh Qualtrics suite of products are there any products that a customer can get and uh, purchase without talking and going through a sales team yeah uh so like the fr- basically the the smaller version of our of our platform so mm-hmm. as you start with a free account you can you can upgrade right within the free account to uh like a minor paid account i think it's like $300 a year okay um so but it's it's pretty it's pretty low usage like our our platform is really designed around enterprise uh so yeah right Interesting. So what would you recommend uh, someone who is, at, let's say, like at a smaller company in the B2B space, they've they've built up a lot, uh, uh, like they have a, a decent sized sales team and they're just starting uh, with digital marketing and wanting to measure that? Like what kinds of things do you think that that team should focus on? What kind of KPI should they be judged on? Yeah, I think uh, like at the end of it all, like you really have to look at at, at the quality traffic that you're driving not the quality of the traffic but the quality traffic right so the, the leads that are good is, is what you should be measured on so people will define that as an mql right a marketing qualified lead mm-hmm. or sometimes they skip that and just go to like a sales qualified lead uh but basically i, I think a digital marketer should be dry should be should be measured on being the ability to uh get form fillouts that lead to a conversation right that lead to an opportunity being put in the system there's a lot of form fillouts that are garbage, right? And we and and that you should not get credit for those because that hurts you more than helps you. That costs right. you money, right? But but for the things, if you're able to increase the volume and the number, of, the amount of traffic, so that salespeople don't have to spend their time prospecting and do what they're supposed to do, which is close the deal, then then you should be basically measured on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, at that point, it gets really complicated, right? Because then you have to determine what the ROI of those activities are. Like how much is in a marketing qualified lead worth worth based on the conversion funnel that happens in the sales team? And so your checkout being, your, your, putting it in e-commerce terms, your, your shopping cart and checkout being humans, you know, closing deals makes those numbers real fuzzy. But uh, there's really no other way to do it as far as, far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, so I remember hearing you speak at the first uh, SLCSEM uh, conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talked a lot about pivot tables. <laughs> Everything you said was super impressive. And uh, I asked you afterwards, like, how to learn more about pivot tables. And you, taught, you told me to... Uh, Go screw yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you told me to look up Annie Cushing's and yeah. uh, look up her stuff, uh, which I did. It's awesome. Uh, what percentage do you say of your day is is geared towards analyzing data versus uh, executing? Executing. Um. Honestly, in the role I am now, because I'm horribly understaffed, uh, most of my time is spent purely executing. Mm. Um, but a lot of that has to do with like in, in previous roles that I've been in, um, there was basically like my, my job was like digital marketing, uh, out, like outbound online marketing, right? Like PPC and display advertising, things like that, that are really metrics driven. And that is the whole job. Uh, at Qualtrics and, and pr- prior to that uh, at Blendtec, um, I've overseen like all of the website changes, uh, the software development. Um, like for example, for the last three days, I, we've been redesigning the Qualtrics blog and trying to get that ready to launch. Um, and there's no data analysis as part of that at this point. Like that happened earlier on, yeah. but, but you know, it's mostly solving problems and fixing things and and making sure that stuff launches on time. Um, Qualtrics is interesting because it, it's been an incredibly successful sales organization. Like unlike most organizations, like right. They, They've grown, like they've been around for like 10 or 12 years or something, 
and have grown aggressively and profitably in that time purely on the amazing sales model that they were able to build. But while that was there, there was no marketing uh, discipline being kind of built up around it. So the marketing department has been growing like crazy and we're trying to hire and do all these things. But uh, like we're basically trying to insert ourselves back into a process that already works. And so like there basically hasn't been like I've spent I spent more in the last year in digital advertising than Qualtrics has spent in a very long time combined. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just it's just kind of a like we're basically a startup within the organization. So it's interesting because we have a lot of the problems that you would expect like early stage companies to have with their data and things like that. But we're not early stage. Right. Right. So it's just been it's just been interesting. But and typically I would ex- I would expect people to set up uh, digital marketers should be setting up systems so that they spend very little amount of their time analyzing data. Like the data should come to them in a way that makes it clear what kind of decisions they should make. So are, are you talking about uh, setting up like dashboards that pull automatically from certain sources so that you can read that quickly or something else? That and like processes around it, right? So like if you're, if, if you're doing paid search and all day, every day you're digging around inside your, your campaign looking for opportunities, I think you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be like setting things up using the best practices and the knowledge you have running these things and then getting the data back and quickly at like the appropriate levels, seeing how the data looks, seeing how the return is looking and then making fast decisions so that you can iterate and try again and iterate and try again. Um, I found that a lot of, a lot of, uh, we're kind of a lot of where digital marketers get things wrong is by not setting up those disciplines and those routines and like that structure. That's why, that's what I, I mean, when I spoke at SLC, SCM or DMC or whatever the heck yeah. the conference was called. Uh, <laughs> they need to re- rebrand that. Yeah, they got, they got a branding problem. That's all right. Yeah. Um, they're working on it. Uh, when, I, when I spoke, I spoke about reporting because, like, the way that you gather data back and present it to yourself, like, can mean, like, 30 hours of work or 10 minutes of work in optimizing and determining where to, where to push buttons and things like that. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, let me uh, – Go ahead. I want to I take a second and do some TBT, all right, some throwback Thursday. Although we publish on Mondays, we record on Thursdays, so I think this is appropriate. Uh, I heard a story about you, Rick, and I want, I, 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 I really hope that you remember this. Uh, but at this last DMC, this last year, um, I heard that, uh, that you were talking in a group and you said something, and this is, a paraphrase, this is paraphrasing, if you're a woman, you can do anything. And then a, and then a girl interrupted you and gave you a hard time about uh, – saying that i'm looking at your face now and you're, you're telling me you don't remember no I, can't, I don't recall that uh and i would i would venture to say that that's going to require context if you're going to if you're going to quote me on that yeah so i'll give you some context so this morning actually i ran into aj wilcox at at uh at silicon the silicon slope uh summit and i i told him that you were coming on the show today and i said hey give me give me some give me like a, a story i could bring up and and that was the first one that he brought up as far as uh uh something fun to bring up but apparently apparently you don't <laughs> like, remember. do you have any context around like is that all you got no that's just... all i got you, you... well i'm very Jacob fond of women just they like, seem to well, be able to okay. do a lot so i mean i'll stand by that i guess um okay so the other one oh there's more oh, uh, this wasn't necessarily a story and uh um but aj this is to, this is also from aj he also mentioned that you have uh or feel like you have um a responsibility as someone with a loud voice. Does that, does that make sense? Like you probably have some spiel where uh, someone says that you have a loud voice and you, and you tell them about the responsibility you have for having a loud I, voice. Well, I, honestly, I have no idea what AJ is talking about. <laughs> I do have a very loud voice. Uh, and so like, like I guess from a responsibility perspective, like I work in an open office environment. Yeah. Right. So like I have to like constantly be like toning myself uh, down because my voice carries and people can hear me all the time. I thought this was going to go the other way and say something like because you have a loud voice, it's your responsibility to speak up. Yeah, yeah that's no. what I kind of thought too. I don't really have a problem speaking up, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, I'm kind of questioning your your AJ as a source. Here. I know. Like, we need to call this guy out. Uh, yeah. We, this is embarrassing. We, we should call, we should actually call him right now. Call him out? No, I mean call him. He's like probably still call at him and call Silicon him Slopes. Who has I, his phone number? Uh, I don't have his phone number. I don't think I do. I think I do actually. While you're pulling it up, I have another question. Uh, I was I'm looking at your LinkedIn and I noticed uh, Brigham Young University graduated neuroscience. Neuroscience. Yep. Has that played a positive role in your marketing or made no difference? So. 
the net impact is definitely positive, um, but it's a, like an indirect impact, right? So, number one, a neuroscience degree is biology, okay? That's what it is. It's a biology degree. It's a typically a pre-medical, but it's biology, just very specifically focused on your neck and head. <laughs> but it sounds really neat, right? And people assume <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, he's a brain surgeon, right? Yeah. But I'm not a brain surgeon. I had a biology degree from BYU. So it gets it, basically by having it on the resume, I get like automatically people think I'm smarter than I am, which is great. Um, that helps. But otherwise, uh, like what neuroscience really is, is the study of human behavior um, from the perspective of like the neurophysical and neurochemical changes that happen in your in your head. And like how it's like psychology, but instead of with like feelings and talking, it's like electrodes and drugs, basically. Hmm. Right. So like in school, we gave cocaine to rats. Turns out they really like cocaine. FYI. <laughs> um, and why wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean. Right. So from that perspective, I studied a lot of behavioral psychology and things like that. So from from like a conversion optimization and marketing perspective, like all of those like conversion triggers uh, that you read about and like the influence, uh, like the, the, you know, like Robert Cialdini's like influencers and things like that. That's all stuff that has been very well documented and that we studied in schools. So it's basically like a human psychology course, but then with a lot of science thrown on top of it. Mm. Um, so it's helped from that perspective. But when I when I left school, I wanted to. I never wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to go into like business in the medical field, um, but had a kid on the way, so I needed to go to work before going back to get a, a kind of a graduate degree, and just kind of fell into digital marketing. This was like two thousand five, two thousand six, and so like there weren't there wasn't a course to get into digital marketing back in those right. days. So I got a you know a buddy of mine who was working at Overstock. He's like, hey, you should come over here. Uh, we've got some entry level spots. You'd be good at it. You know how to work Excel, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what happened. I like, you know, interviewed for a job and got a really entry level position at Overstock doing some, uh, you know, managing some minor channels and then kind of went from there and just found out I really loved it. So it's awesome. Mm. Now you're Qualtrics, huge company, possibly going to IPO this year. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. That's what they say. So I have AJ's phone number. I'm going to try to call him. If this doesn't work out, I'm just going to edit this whole thing out. <laughs> but I need to, I need to find out what he's talking about. Yeah, now. sorry. I really have no idea. I mean, I do have a loud voice, so I don't know. Let's see if he answers. I mean, he's on the other line. I think so. Yeah. You're interrupting an important moment. Jacob Perry, how are you? Oh, AJ, I'm so glad that you got off the phone to answer this. You know it. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. I hopped on a very important phone call for you oh that makes me feel great hey listen uh we're recording right now and i've got you on the show and i've got i've got rick galan here what's up aj what is up rick hey so i brought up those two stories that you gave me and he doesn't remember a thing can can we get some additional context yes absolutely so uh i don't know how explicit we want to get but rick do you remember when we were at dmc and we were in that conversation um at the after party, and uh, you were just talking about how how much easier it is if you are a female uh, to get into like speaking engagements. And the girl was uh, the girl who was standing in the group just got like all kinds of huffy about it. Does that sound familiar at all? <laughs> you should see his facial expressions yeah. as you're telling this story. <laughs> like I remember, I remember us talking about like speaking and. Yeah, I, I don't know. That sounds like something that someone very not careful would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I think like, like what what you said was not insensitive at all. But the fact sure that, sounds like, insensitive. This girl took super issue and like totally went on the attack against you. Uh, was hilarious. I mean, none of us wanted to touch that with a ten foot pole. <laughs> but it looks like you were struggling a little bit. It's the first time I've ever seen you like not confident on your toes. That's awesome. Uh, AJ, thank you for giving us additional context. I was hoping that it would trigger something in Rick's mind, but he must have blocked that out because it was such a, tra- a traumatizing <laughs> moment in his life. Uh, what was the other thing that, that I brought up with you? About? Uh, the other thing was about his loud voice. Oh, yes. So, Rick, you and I had a conversation a while back where I was basically like, man, I wish I had your voice. And you, you gave me like a little bit on uh, it's a responsibility when you have a loud voice. Like you have to respect the voice. 
You call it a bit like he's a stand-up yeah, comic. Like, <laughs> he's got I'm, us in his back pocket. Honestly, I'm a little concerned about the uh, level of detail with which you remember our conversations. <laughs> so I'm going to have to be a little more careful. Dude, my conversation memory is incredible, but put me in front of a, a textbook and you'll get nothing out of me 10 minutes later. AJ, you are so awesome. Thank you so much for giving us that amount of detail. Anyway, no worries at all. All right, man. We'll talk later. All right. We'll see ya. All right, bye. All right, so there's your context. <laughs> I really like. I'm really, I'm really, yeah, I'm really nervous about what that, what that was because I don't really remember. I, the only thing I can think of is maybe like from the perspective of, like, there's a lot less competition because they because nowadays every all the conferences are trying to make sure they have equal representation, yeah. but they also all of the conferences also complain about not getting pitches from women. The oh, same, so that's what so you're like is... literally there is a way better chance. For a woman to get, if she pitches, to get the spot than a man because yeah, the competition's lower and they're trying to... Basic arithmetic. Yeah, it's just math and, and yeah. yeah. That's a very... Thanks, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Uh, welcome to Below the Fold. Yeah. yeah, good times. Hey, real quick. Uh, Brandon brought up your bio and I found a different bio that's a little bit older and it has something in it that I wanted to uh, ask you about. This is from Affiliate Summit, oh. 2009. Wow. Uh, this I did not go digging very far because this is uh, this ranks for your first name on yeah. the first page. <laughs> it says Rick Galan is the director of online marketing at Overstock.com. He has experienced he has experience in com- uh, comparison shopping, portals, affiliate marketing, paid and natural search, lead generation, gift cards, mm-hmm. and website development. Which Easy. all of those like seem like uh, an actual thing. And I'm like, oh, I have experience with gift cards too. I spend those all the time. <laughs> Well, if you look on his LinkedIn profile, it was his like role. It was for a while my, it was to be my, in charge of the my, gift cards. One of my first roles, yeah. So when I got hired at Overstock, there was a couple of like minor programs that I was handed, kind of as an entry level, and one of them was managing the gift card program. That so is thing, so funny. The thing you have to realize about gift cards is that it's like a cash machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So like we we sell gift cards where people give us money to give to give to someone else so that they give us money, and half the time they don't actually give us they don't actually use them. Like the breakage on gift cards is astronomical, and so like being able to get gift cards like placed and bought, like means that there's just like money, all this money that's in like accounts accounts payable, basically that you owe to somebody. Like a hundred dollar gift card is money that a company owes to that person yeah. for a purchase that they never use, and so like there's ways to like reclaim that money, and like growing those programs is like there's a there's two touches for every sale, right? Like there's the brand touch of the person that that bought it. And then there's the touch of the person that receives it. And it's like, it's just like a, it's an amazing, beautiful thing. And like for a while there, my job was to oversee that program. And there's actually a ton of nuance in like that entire industry around gifting. There must be, because as I was thinking about it, I was like, it's, it's special or important enough to put in his bio. And I guess in his LinkedIn as well. And then my, and then that, that, that thought took me to how many people are out there just being, man, we need, we need a gift card guy. Let's let's hop on LinkedIn and, and search for some some guys with some experience with I've gift had, cards. But I've had like, like I've had recruiters reach out to me specifically for the role. So like something to think about like Amazon's gift card company, yeah. which is a separate company that they run. It's called A Nine Incentives, and it's based in Idaho. And the reason it is is because the tax laws in Idaho allow them to reclaim that uh, that breakage, that unspent money, in a way that they cannot do anywhere in other states, right? And like, interesting. Overstock's gift card program was managed at the time, like was managed and by management, like owned by a company uh, in Ohio for the same reason. And there's like all there's like complicated tax structures to figure out, and then at the same time, just like growing that program. So one of the things I did at Overstock was get their gift cards placed into the kiosks, into grocery stores. Like it was like a $25 million program because of just the amount of like, okay, we're going to get seven of these cards placed and the turn, you know, on average on a weekly basis per every Safeway in the country is this. And like, it's like, it's a whole industry in and of itself. So that is so crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, there's the one thing I didn't know that I learned today. I gift cards. You, uh, so you mentioned the blog for Qualtrics. What are some of your like big pushes for 2017? Uh, honestly, we are still, uh, growing our digital programs, right? So, uh, like I said, there, Qualtrics didn't really have, uh, a team in place for digital marketing, uh, prior to this year. There, there've been a handful of people kind of working in those roles and, and doing good efforts, but no like structured organizations. So, um, so really our biggest pushes are to expand and grow our digital advertising. Uh, you know, our, our budgets went up pretty significantly over last year. Um, at the same time, that's a global initiative. So I've got, 
Uh, now a digital marketer uh, working out of our uh, out of our Dublin office, and so we're trying to support that. Um, and then uh, we have a lot of a lot of efforts to make on the website because it's kind of uh, over the years is kind of. Uh, you know, without the discipline of a digital marketer kind of overseeing things like other, mostly last year, I fixed SEO junk all over the website. Yeah. Right. And so we have a lot more of that kind of stuff to do. And, you know, the, the blog update that we're that we're releasing hopefully tonight um, and some several other site updates is, is part of that. Um, we have, uh, you know, we have our, our annual uh, customer summit uh, in about a month. Um, and at that point, we're going to make some big announcements about our products and how they're changing and, and, you know, evolving and kind of what the next phase, all that stuff we do every year. Um, but with that will come pretty significant changes to the content that we're distributing um, and how we how we're how we're marketing and messaging. And so there's going to be a lot of a lot of push along those lines. Um, I, I love Qualtrics Insight Summit. It's a good show. Can I get free tickets? I don't have any, but if I have some, I'll give you one. Because I, I I am a Qualtrics customer, Vivint. I, I don't know which group uses it, but uh, someone yeah, there. Look, is. Yeah, look into that for me. <laughs> see if you can get a you should uh, see if you can get a press pass since you have like a podcast. Yeah, that's oh interesting. Uh, Elizabeth Osmolowski was saying last night that she has a press pass for it. I'm like, are you going to write articles? She's like, no, probably not. But what, I have a ticket. Like, what does that get me? I, the whole thing. That's it. That's like, it. Like, what are the perks? Do I get like backstage pass? I don't think She's so. Attached to probably a more credible news source. Is that just from Search Engine Land? Yeah. yeah. Huh. You remember Chase Larson at Nice and Floor? He had his uh, Sound Magazine. He was always getting free, uh, like, backstage was tickets. He, was he asking or were people approaching him? I think it was both. Usually most of it, he just reached out and said, hey, I'm with Sound Magazine. Would love to cover the show. And then he gets tickets. Who, who, who do I talk to? <laughs> Honestly, I can tell you. How <laughs> did on, you get right? tickets last year? Uh, last year I was at Myriad and we were uh, perspective. Uh, oh, yeah. So they, they gave us tickets. tickets. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we've kind of tightened down the sales guy ticket <laughs> issue, right? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. As you, if you hold out, hold out until right before the show, and if we have to fill seats, then that's when tickets start getting tossed around. Okay. So. Well, I, I have my name to that list. <laughs> have you Have you been to it yet? No, I, I love it. I had tickets last year, but I couldn't go. Oh man! And I'll tell you what, the swag is a hundred times better than what they handed out today. Yeah. So <laughs> hey, I want to end on this. We're we're running out of time, but this uh, I, I wanted to get to before we ended. I I created another Google survey. Do you guys remember the last time I did a Google survey? Yeah. Do you remember the question I asked? Something about Trump and Hillary. It was like, how good do you think they've been on digital? Who had the better marketing? Yeah, who had the better digital marketing strategy? So at the time, I ran I ran the survey a little late, so I didn't get all the survey responses at the time we recorded. And at that time, Hillary was winning. But once I reached the 500 um, that I ordered, it actually had switched, and Trump had won in almost every single category. It's like a symbolic uh, mirror. <laughs> To how it how, to the whole campaign, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking that as well. Anyway, so I, I've um, I did another survey. I want to go for the results. I have not hit the five hundred yet, so it could change. I started this a day earlier than the last time. Uh, I ordered five hundred, and I'm right around four hundred. Okay. So it's pretty close. The question I asked was, which of these three names is the most manly? Oh my God. <laughs> Jacob, Brandon. Or Paxton. <laughs> Before we get into this, I want to make a, 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 tell you guys a little story. Uh, there's a book, the main character of which is named Paxton Gray. Uh, and it's, a, it's like a, 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 an author in California. Through many, many different connections, I got to ask that author why she chose the name Paxton Gray. And she said, it just sounded like a really masculine name. So... <laughs> There you go. Do with that what you will, but we'll see if the the audience agrees. You should have say you should have saved that story until after we. <laughs> Do you have results? This. I have results. Yeah, I've got the results. So I can uh, guess. Yeah, please guess. So I'm going to guess number one, Jacob. Number two, Brandon. Oh, number three, <laughs> Paxton. <laughs> now tell me why. This is my gut. There are some my initial reaction. There are no uh, I can see that. Jacob and Jacob's a traditional biblical name. Paxton, um, I've never heard of until I met Paxton. Yeah, and I think there's some anchoring going on. Like people know some Brandons, people know some Jacobs. Yeah, people know Paxtons, and so I think that will uh, sway the results. Hmm. So what we'll do is uh, overall, Jacob wins. Jacob is the most manly, fifty-one point five percent. Brandon comes in second, thirty-six point seven percent, and Paxton eleven point eight percent. Did you include last names on that? I did not include last names. <laughs> I did not. Uh, <laughs> uh, if we just look at males, uh, Jacob pops up to 52%. Uh, 
Brandon goes down a little bit to 35. Paxton comes up about a percent to 12. And if we look at just females, it's almost the same. Jacob loses 0.4%. Brandon gains 1.1%. And Paxton loses, I don't know, yeah, loses 0.6%. So it's pretty much the same. You introduced that, like there was going to be some like switch. Know, like I'm, I'm expecting like, women say Paxton is yeah. number one. So, the, <laughs> so there are changes when you look at age. So, so 18 to 24 years old, Brandon wins by a, a pretty considerable amount, 40, 49.3%. And then it drops to Jacob, 36.7%. Yeah. Well, uh, Brandon also wins with the 25 to 34 year olds. What are people who fill out Google surveys now anyway? And how many people is this? I know that I get uh, credit for the Google Play Store, so I get paid when I fill out oh, Google yeah. surveys. That's, yeah. what, that's what I know. So I've never sad. seen a Google survey. Well, you got to get uh, well you, on Android. There's a as an app called a like a Google Rewards, oh, and really? it's like like they basically give you store credit for the for the App Store by filling out surveys. Hmm. It's pretty great. I've made like $150 over the past couple of years. So I haven't paid for anything on the Play Store or like rented a movie or whatever, like to stream or I haven't paid for any of that in years. Do you need to fill like be within a certain profile to be paid more for your opinion or less? It depends on the survey. So some of them, some of them are like Google obviously being like, were you at this place trying to update, you know, keep their location data tight or whatever. But like some of them are like companies doing like branded research and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so like it, like your profile gets targeted by these people. They're basically buying, you know, buying respondents. Hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry I didn't get yours. I would have voted. No, that's I would have okay. voted for Paxton though. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a cowboy name, right? Is that true? It sounds cowboy like a, Ooh. like a, oh, what's that? What's that author's name? Zane something. And then there's a, Zane Gray. Zane Gray. That's right. Is he a relative of yours? No. He also. And then Louis Lamore is another guy. Zane Gray hated, hated Mormons. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think I heard that actually. His first book was about. It's a pretty manly thing to do, though. Isn't it? Like to, to, hate, to hate an entire religious group. That's <laughs> yeah. it's fairly masculine. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I just want to say one last thing. Sixty-five plus year olds, seventy-one point five percent say that Jacob is the most manly. It's an old name. Oh, hit with the grandmas. Uh, oh, old right. old people love me. Let's wrap up. That's all we have for today. If you want to contribute to the show, if you want to send over some questions, some topic ideas, or if you'd like to come on the show, you can reach out via email, inbound at belowthefold.io. Alternatively, you can reach out on Twitter, at belowthefold.io. Oh, sorry. There's no dot in there. At belowthefold.io. Uh, and that's it. Until next week, we'll catch you below the fold. <laughs>